Welcome back to another hour of Sky Shower. I'm Noah. And I'm Jesse. All right, this is episode 147. Uh, this evening we're going to be we will be discussing the Kill Coman Small Batch number seven. Uh, from there we'll have our shout outs and get it togethers. Our restaurant review being Meatball Eatery. It's uh, I would guess a revisit. Zigzag Burger. Zigzag Burger. And then uh, from there, we'll have our Smart Challenge, which is the to watch the movie Deep Cover and related to uh, kind of like what's going on in today's society, maybe. All right. Um, before we get started, jumping into the scotch, which I'm looking forward to doing. Uh, just a quick thing, uh, saying thank you to all the uh, YouTube and Rumble subscribers. We greatly appreciate all of you. And to all the uh, subscribers on to the many different uh podcast platforms that you can listen to us on we greatly appreciate all of you as well please like share and subscribe and leave some comments down below with that let's get ready to try this uh scott scotch review all right this week scotch the akil Komen small batch number seven limited to just 1278 bottles 50 percent abv it is an isla single malt scotch but uh akil Komen really wants to emphasize that it is isla's only single farm single malt scotch where they do all the work growing the barley uh producing the scotch from their own farm uh the scotch distillery is relatively new uh founded opened in 2005 by anthony wills and his wife kathy um first new distillery built on the island of isla for over 124 years um, Isla uh, is known for its peated scotches, and from our previous experience, this is no different. And Anthony Will set out to produce uh, something that he thought had been lost, and that was that farm to distillery, uh, full encompassed scotch. Uh, that really, I don't know many, if any other distilleries really do much of that. Uh, besides maybe the Brooklady with their Octomore scotches where I know they do, uh, but they're not growing it. They're just buying it from Isla as well. Uh, with that, man, I'm super excited. We've tried some of their other scotches. And they have all been pretty damn good. The Sanaig, the Mahirbe, and the Casado. Um, they do have a full range. They have a range even of these small batches. Looks like from our research, uh, they put one out most years, if not every year. Um, and uh, this seventh is bound to be a treat. Um, Isla, of course, among some of our most favored scotches. Although it is interesting, the more we continue to uh, enjoy all of Scotland and the scotches, the lowlands have some interesting ones, although I can't say that any of those have come close to being a 10 for me. Uh, but the highlands have done great things uh, and Isla as well. So without further ado, anything else you want to say about Kilt Coleman before we run into the tasting? Well, with Kilcoman, they do have three basic tours. They have the classic. Uh, the thing with the classic tour, it's just like the basic, like run the mill, kind of check out the operations type of thing. 
Um, they allow uh, children to attend this tour. Uh, so you have adults, they're uh, 10 Great British Pounds. Children are five Great British Pounds. At the end of it, adults do get to try one dram. Then they have what's called the Limited Editions Tour. Uh, that's about two hours long. And here uh, you get a Tudor tasting. It's for adults only. And it's about 40 British, uh, Great British Pounds. And then they have the Roving Tasting Tour. Uh, where you go to different parts of the uh, distillery. And in each different area of the distillery, they have a dram for you to taste. And that's uh, 1, 1.5 hours there for that one. Uh, but other than that, I think uh, you nailed everything on there uh, about this, uh, about Kilcomen. And uh, did you say how many batch or how many bottles were done yet? Yes. Okay. I guess I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> you know, and here's the reason why I think I wasn't paying attention because when you said it was like the. Uh, I think the newest one that's uh, been built on there for a while. Uh, in Isla, yeah. Yeah, in Isla. Uh, at first, instead of saying newest, I thought you said nudist. <laughs> I'm like, how are they going to have a bunch of like, nude people working at this a distillery? This is the best distillery ever. <laughs> going for every one of their tours. <laughs> Put me in for the tour of duty, please. <laughs> So at first, I'm like, wait, did he say that? Like, oh, wait, no, he's a newest. Uh. <laughs> All right, with that, so this Kilcomen is aged in three types of casks. Uh, so the first one being 70% of it aged in ex-bourbon, 5% in, that's right, ex-Oloroso Sherry Cask. So do the math, 25% for that third and final type of cask. And that is an, a recharred uh, red wine cask. And that has done some wonderful Ooh. things for us in the past. Uh, the box itself, it's actually a great color. I think it looks fantastic. Um, they've done a nice job in the past. It is textured. Um, Color-wise, they don't shy away. The bottle itself is one of those shorter and stouter bottles. Uh, it does list on here, which I do love, uh, particularly on the back. Batch number seven, 1,278 bottles for this batch. Toss about the cask influence. Um, and here it is saying that the bourbon barrel cask, 70%, sherry cask, 5%. And that's right. They call them STR casks for the Recharge X red wine at 25%. And these are unfiltered and uh, no added color, correct? Unfiltered, unadded color. And again, 50% ABV. Um, and with that, it's not that it's non-filtered, it's non-chill filtered. Non so they don't rush that process. And you know, here, like maybe my uh, eyesight is wrong or whatever, but is the color of the box like a flat burnt orange? It is. And it seems like to me, like the color of the box almost matches the color of the scotch in the bottle. I mean, from my distance, maybe. Oh, okay. The lighting's a little maybe different. Maybe it's because of the lighting. The, okay. the depth and shadows behind. Okay. All right. But it is for sure uh, looking like a great colored scotch. Um, as previous. Uh, what is top? What do you think? Uh, yes. Absolutely. Uh, press or. Uh, I'm going wooden cork. top, solid, real cork. 
I, I agree. All right. Nice, solid foil embossed upon the top. As we open that up, definitely a solid wood topper. And with that also stamped with a ink and ink or some uh, paint. Non-pressed cork. That is the real deal. Solid. This is a hefty mushroom top on this cork here. Uh, it's short, but got girth. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Sorry. I must cut you out there. So <laughs> good. All right. All right. Well, I guess it's now time for us to do our tasting notes at our warp speed. All right. Without further ado, cheers. cheers. Okay. The uh, Kill Coleman small batch number seven. First of all, I'm going to say like every, uh, every expression that we've tried so far, this is our fourth one from Kill Coleman. For being such a young distillery, I've really enjoyed, I think, every one of their uh, expressions that we've tried thus far. And this is no different here. I really enjoyed this one. First thing I'll point out is uh, you can fool me. I didn't think that this was 50% ABV. Uh, I didn't really get like a really like uh, like that, that burn that you get from some uh, from some alcohol. Uh, so to me, it's really mellow. But uh I'll start off with the presentation here first off. Um, you know, uh, I've come to expect this type of bottle design from Kilcoman. I like it. Uh, it's uh, definitely well-made glass, has a nice wood topper. Uh, they do real cork. Uh, the uh, the box is, uh, I actually like the color. That, I like that flat burnt orange or whatever that color is. I'm going right to call there. it camel. Camel, okay. Like camel. Sexy camel, though, like the sexy camel coat. Um, I like the color. <laughs> uh, so overall, I gave that a, uh, a four out of five. Like you, you got to do like something extra special though to get that five out of five, especially after we had that Grand Reserva. Um, the color uh, here, I put the color was a nice. Uh, light straw gold that you get during the summertime. Uh, it, and I think it really depends on like how the light hits it because sometimes it looks like it might have a dot or darker hue to it. But when you kind of hold it up to, up, up to the light, it's just really a nice light gold right there. And you can tell that it was a unchilled filter because you see some little bit of particles in there and stuff like that. So uh, I really liked it. I like the coloring. So I gave it a five out of five. The nose... Uh, you know, the nose for me, I got cedar and leather with strawberries and cherries all in there and it kind of blended really nice. It's kind of weird. Cause like when I put it in my hands, I kind of warmed it up. I really got the, uh, like the cedar, uh, with some slight smoke that kind of like transitions into leather, but out of the glass, I got a lot more of the, uh, strawberries and cherries. So, uh, but the nose I really liked, it wasn't the high point for me. Actually, that was the low point for me. Uh, and I gave it 26 out of 30. Next up here is the palette, which to me was, uh, a, it was like blackberry jam with strawberry cream. Uh, and, uh, that's, 
Like there's like the slight creaminess in there. It's uh, it's light bodied. Uh, you get that you start off like with this blackberry jam flavor. Uh, you do get the and then to me it transitions into a strawberry cream. There's a little bit of like a hint of leather in there too, uh, but it's very mild. But then after it transitions right there, that sweetness from the uh, blackberry jam into the strawberry cream with the subtle hints of leather, it then all of a sudden suddenly I get this like this campfire kind of flavor, which then dissipates to this nice, clean, lingering spearmint flavor in my mouth. Uh, and to really sum it up, the way I said it here is that it's, this is a simple, light, and refreshing with nice sweetness and lingering spearmint. Uh, that's kind of like how I would sum it up. But as far as the... Uh, palette and the finish i gave them both 27 points each uh which gives me a grand total of 89 points uh when i take it to a black tie affair not exactly uh <laughs> not exactly what i would you know want uh as far as a uh long and strong baby yeah, yeah i wouldn't take the black tie affair uh, however i would take it to like an alumni event um, I would take it to a uh, game night, um, and I think it has a place on, on my shelf. I actually like, I, I do like the taste of it. I like the, how it has like this, the sweetness with a slight bit of leather and 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 uh, and smoke in there. And I love the smell, of the cedar from the nose, um, and then I love how like it finishes really, really light and clean with that that lingering spearmint, which I don't know, it makes it almost like. Makes it refreshing, you know. To me, this would almost be, and I, I would rarely ever, ever, ever say this, but it's like a dessert scotch. <laughs> for me, it just has like enough sweetness, and it's just refreshing enough on the palate that I can see enjoying this after a meal and, and, and as a like a dessert. Before the meal, during the meal, after the meal. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, for myself, I'm right there with you. Uh, presentation, Kilcomen has not let us down again, uh, but it's not the next level. I do love the solid wood topper uh, that has been embossed. Uh, the bottle, which has a, I'm guessing, a wax seal from the distillery. Uh, they've done a nice job. They continue to do great jobs with things like the glass having Isla's farm distillery, you know, impressed upon it. Solid cork. Uh, still only a four out of five for presentation. The color, as Noah mentioned, natural color, non-chill filtered. Uh, for me, this is the farmer's daughter the blonde farmer's daughter at the beginning of summer. It's uh, it's not quite just straw gold. It has a little bit of that brownish depth before, uh, whether it's fun in the sun or uh, that sun spray they put in the hair or just the natural been out enjoying life in the sun that lightens it up. This is uh, that farmer's daughter early summer hair color. On the nose, <clears throat> first thing 
leather through and through and i love it i dig leather not the italian leather that we recently experienced but still more of a suede uh more of that suede and that is followed by dried cherry and that charred cedar and at first i didn't get the char but then going back in, it is the cedar smell is there, but it is absolutely a smoky, charred cedar smell. So we got the leather, the cherry, um, the cedar, and that cherry is fantastic because it's not overly sweet, but it's absolutely present. The nose for me, a 26. The color was a five. Mm. Ah, uh, nose tied for my low point. Palette absolutely the victor. Oh, you mentioned blackberry jam. I'm going blackberry jelly because the blackberry is very sweet, but it's also creamy smooth, um, but not to the point where it's necessarily creamy. It's that type where you spread it on the bread and as you're eating it, it is just delicious blackberry jelly. Um, then for me, jumps in the leather. Um, the leather's great. Um, the strawberries for me, flambade strawberries where you can all almost still feel the seeds as you move it through your mouth uh, but the strawberry is warm uh, again you mentioned that creamy it's not a, like a vanilla cream but it is absolutely smooth and warm uh, in the sense of that sort of creamy where it's been mixed like a jelly uh, but that flambéed strawberries delicious um, finishing with and this is the end of the palette, spearmint and oak. So for me, a 27 on the palette, the true finish. Man, after all that delicious blackberry, leather, flambéed strawberry, spearmint and oak, I get more cherry and the cherry is delicious. And we've experienced that a lot lately. I get more leather. And then comes in a campfire smoke type of sensation, but it's not a dirty one. It, it's still clean. The spearmint hasn't dissipated. It is still present. Um, eh, but what I will say is at the very tail end of this very long finish is a little petrichor. A little bit of that earthy finish sometimes we get. Uh, from a Barolo or a fine French wine, um, but a Barolo from Italy, that earthiness where we're almost sucking on a rock. Um, and I love it. Um, but it still finishes at a 26 for me for a grand total of 88. Black tie, I'm right there with you. It's just not sexy enough. However, it is fantastic for a game night or a party. You bring it in. You're not trying to impress. It's not overstated. It is simple. And I think that would be Kilcoman's one opportunity, the opposite of the McAllen. If anything, one of the things I love about the McAllen is in ways they almost overstate, but never to an extreme that it's ridiculous. Um, this is just a little bit different. So not for the black tie. Yes, for a game night. Place on my shelf. Absolutely. If nothing else to really talk about the fact that this is a farm 
uh, distillery where they grow the barley, they produce the scotch, they're doing all the work, and it is in Isla. So it is a competitor, as you mentioned, 2005. So we're talking about uh, almost 200 years younger than some of our other favorites, the Obins or Lagavulin, the Ardbegs, that have been around for centuries or close to centuries. Um, and this is doing a fantastic job, really giving an impression about the possibilities otherwise. It's time for our shout outs. One shout out. So there is a new group of individuals flocking away from relocating out of San Francisco and California. Can you guess what this newest demographic of individuals that would be moving out of San Francisco and California would be? Illegals? No, those with educations, especially higher educations, knowing that California uh, partially... I guess I was a little hopeful there. Yeah. <laughs> No, they're flocking in still. They just got all free healthcare. Why would they leave? Everyone else that realizes like how much of a shithole it is, and then they're like, maybe we should just go back. No, the ones that are intelligent, the educated, and the especially the higher educated are the ones saying, I am out because I understand this is non-sustainable. This is not a sustainable model for this. I think those people should be, uh, if they voted Democrat, they should stay there. I don't think that they necessarily do, but I don't disagree with you if they voted them in. Uh, you know, They lots. voted for these policies. They should like live with those policies. Yeah. I don't know what they all did, though. I think the higher educated typically do. Well, you know what? Maybe they are the ones who voted it and just never actually thought it was going to happen. Maybe they went against something because they wanted to be popular with the other people they graduated with. I don't know. I literally don't know. One of the things I know is to be a leader or to be strong, you have to often go against your friends and the norm. And if you, yeah, I agree with you at this point. Like if they voted these people in that created these policies, now they're screwing all the people who don't have an education or a higher education. A lot of them are minorities, by the way, that got these educations. Um, but with that, it is interesting, though, those educated are saying, hey, this is not a sustainable model. Let's get out of California, especially San Francisco. So shout out. You guys are smart. Get out before it's too late. Uh, yeah. Well, I don't know if they're really so far yet. Too late. <laughs> so uh, any, I don't have any shout outs this week. No shout outs? No, no, no shout outs this week. All right. At least not none that I can see. What of. you can do is you can turn and get it together into a shout out. It's kind awesome. of what I did. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, do you want to go get together first? Or you want me to jump right yeah, in? My get it together is uh, all these like uh, Palestinian protesters for uh, like what they did uh, uh, for the protests that they did in D.C. where they had to evacuate uh, the uh, the uh, Congress and uh, they started like uh, like. I guess almost like swayed. Like they said, the defense at uh, the White House was starting to sway back and forth. So it was starting to get pretty crazy there. Uh, I, I I have no problem with like protesting, but uh, here's I think if you're trying to protest something that you're in disagreement with with our government, which there's believe me, there's a lot of things I'm in disagreement with with our government. Uh, I don't think the point is. To sit there and do destruction and threaten people is going to actually get them to make them change. 
Possibly, but maybe not. I don't know. <clears throat> maybe it worked in their country. Maybe it did, but I don't think they probably should be in our country. But I, I think I think our founding fathers, I'll put it this way, our founding fathers, when when they said like when they set it up for like people to come over to the United States, they said that we had to be very careful on, on the people who we let into our country. Uh, because if they didn't have the same values and uh, and uh, thoughts as like we did already, that they could become a virus in our system. COVID nineteen, and there it is. There you, there you <laughs> go. Yeah, so, anyways, I just think that you know that and like the like the BLM stuff and all that stuff when they're saying they're destroying stuff. I'm saying that that those were peaceful riot or peaceful protests. That's obviously not true. I mean. You don't have to go around destroying property to get your word out. I agree. It's interesting how one can be a peaceful protest that's uh, evacuating Congress and another one um, is a total violation by Trump. Interesting. Yeah, right. The, the You know, let's just go back to... Oh, yeah. Another get-togethers, I guess, too, would be like the freaking uh, RNC and uh, like it's... It, like the, the like Trump already has enough of a lead on everybody else that really all they're doing is fighting for second place. Can we just like already just end that already? Just save end the, the money. Save the money and the primaries. So everyone knows Trump's going to win it, uh, at least from the from the Republican side. And let's just start moving forward with that. What's so sad is, man. Yeah, such a huge lead. Like none of them are like if you add them all up together, they're still not going like, to catch up to them. If you, no matter what poll you release, on top of that, Biden's latest uh, approval ratings on most things he's handled are in the teens, as far as a percent, less than twenty percent. Oh, it was crazy. Like some of Trump's lowest forever, forty four percent. So almost three times that. Eh, yeah. Because oh. math. Yeah, because math. All right. Well, I have two. Get it together. Is my first one. Uh, my first one was the Supreme Court for this past Friday announcing after everyone else had stopped watching TV and didn't care about the news coming out this past Friday and saying, oh, no, it's OK for the Biden administration to be contacting social media and asking them to take down things off of their social media platforms. Really? They, I didn't catch that. This past Friday, they literally waited until Friday days ago uh, when everyone had stopped watching Doesn't TV. Doesn't go against our free speech? Uh, it does, except that the Biden administration is simply being allowed to ask these different platforms to do it, where these are the same platforms that took down lots of things about biolabs and COVID-19 questions and other things. About that have now, laptop. About all these things that have been proven, like Epstein. Yeah, all these things. So uh, that's my first one is um, get it together, Supreme Court. Like, let's be forthright and do it when people can actually acknowledge it because uh, people still haven't recovered. Everyone got drunk this weekend, I think. Um, and then my second one, this one actually kills me more being a parent. And that is for New York. Uh, kicking students out of school, making them do remote schools. I know you've heard about this one. So, and making them take days off so they can bring homeless into the schools. Wait a minute. This was never part of the. T so, at what point 
do civilians paying the tax dollars that voted in, to your point, they voted in these politicians, New York being another state, much like California and in particular San Francisco, um, they voted in these people and now their kids are being forced out of school and everyone has seen the results, remote schooling, online schooling. Um, can be effective, particularly with certain students, but it does not have the social, positive social impacts that actually going to school do. So we're tearing that away from these people. We're unstabilizing our youth once again to put in illegals or homeless or anyone else. This is absurd. Like what happened to our future? And I don't know that people can... I don't know that people can just simply see this is not sustainable. So those are my two get-togethers. Yeah, even, uh, you know, it's bad when Elon Musk comments on that. Well, dude, that's it, though. Like, of all the people that have commented on it, he's got more kids than anyone I know. I value his opinion. <laughs> and I'm being 100% sincere there. Yeah, I forgot about that one. That should have been my get-together. <laughs> Restaurant Review. This week's uh, Restaurant Review, and there's multiple different names, so we went to Zigzags Burgers, um, and it's still known, though, also as Zigzags Meatball Eatery. And for myself, I had the Bubba Blue Burger. Um, man, I'll tell you what, the Bubba Blue Burger with fries fantastic delicious the blue cheese if you do not like and then when i say like if you not love your blue cheese do not get this hamburger the blue cheese is that pungent so for a blue cheese lover much like myself this burger man this burger was a 10 um the price wasn't bad 14 bucks let me double check my receipt here. $14.95. Uh, and then, of course, I had a draft Coriolis effect for another six. Uh, man, I felt like I was winning, rolling out of there, particularly because the fries were dynamite. You know the fries are good when you eat a giant hamburger. We're talking about a half-pound patty, delicious bun, blue cheese, bacon. Oh, the bacon was cooked to perfection. Um, and it comes with dipping sauces, of course. Uh, but after you eat that giant burger and there's still fries... You eat every single fry that is possibly edible. Um, that is actually what I did. Um, so for me, the food, uh, I'm giving the food a 10. I have never had a bad experience with the food there. The service, um, I thought the service was actually really good, not quite a 10, uh, but the service was a 9. The outside environment, um, the parking lot isn't my favorite. But it's still not a nightmare. And even in the evenings, it is well lit. It gets a seven, a solid eight. The atmosphere inside. Um, man, I feel, I feel like they do a great job keeping this lively, fun. Um, the way it's set up, the bar, I actually do like the meatball eatery side better than the hamburger bar side. Uh, but, um, still the atmosphere for me is a solid eight. Um, the only thing that would make it a nine is if they changed the entrance a little bit and made the hostess and such, um, a little more secluded, a little less obvious. And, and so that every time the door was open, you didn't quite, uh, feel the heat or the lack there of heat. 
Um, for me, um, and I know you've got different pieces you're going to bring into this, is this a destination? And I'm going to start there. This is the opposite. Is this a destination? Well, for me, yes, it is. Um, if I am going for, in particular, what I believe you're going to talk about, which is the meatball charcuterie plate, um, man, dynamite, uh, but also great, good Good wine selection, great drink selection um, with all those things and also well-located. Uh, location does make a difference. Would I meet, take a date there? Yes. Uh, would I meet a friend there? Yes. Um, and so overall, uh, the restaurant does get a nine for uh, from me. All right. Well, for me, um, the, uh, the parking, the, the outside of it, uh, it has like two names. It does say uh, <laughs> zigzags, uh, smoking burgers, yeah. and then it also says meatball eatery on there. So it's, it looks like it's like one building with two establishments on the inside is what I guess. Uh, but it does have two names on there on the outside. The outside of the building actually doesn't look that bad. The parking lot uh, is actually not that bad of a parking lot. Like you actually got spaces to park and stuff like that. The one thing is a little bit of a drawback is actually getting to the parking lot. Because uh, you do have to go up, I think, uh, turn on to Clinton and then go through like a, like almost like a target, like the back end of a Target uh, parking lot to get there. So, yeah, if you're not coming from Arapaho, if you're coming from Clinton, you have to go through yeah. Target parking lot. <laughs> so, it's, it's kind of like, uh, I don't know, like getting to the actual parking lot is a little bit of a chore, but not like a that big of one. But even like right where it's at, those like basically like off of like I 25 and Arapaho right there. So, if you're not in the right lane, if you're driving on Arapahoe going eastbound, uh, you can find it being a little bit difficult trying to get over and merging over into the right lane and stuff like that to get in. Uh, as far as, so that that's that's a little bit like it's that's kind of a nitpicky thing. So, um, but for the most part, it's uh, the outside's nice, except for the Wendy's that's like right next door to it. That's all boarded up. Multiple times now. Uh, the inside. Uh, I think aesthetically the inside looks nice. My only issue is that every time I've been there, they have one section of the restaurant always blocked off. Like it's never open. They say that they open it once in a while, but I've never seen it open. That's the meatball side. Yeah. Uh, and I would like to actually sit on the meatball side because it looks like it's pretty nice on it's the meatball It's way cooler. Side. And uh, but since I've never experienced the meatball side, all I've experienced is the zigzag side, uh, and it always seems to be closed. I'm kind of I, I wouldn't give it a ten. I Me, mean, it's I like to see the other side open once in a while. Um, so and we actually we went there on a Saturday. So I'm right I, there with you. I'm I think what on the a Saturday, fuck? There was two groups sitting in there. Yeah. I think on a Saturday it should be open, but yet it was still like roped off. So uh, I'm giving that like a seven. Uh, the outside, I give that a seven as well. I mean, like uh, the the food, I agree, it's a ten. Dude, the food kicks ass. So I, I, I uh, <laughs> Jesse usually like when we go out and we do these restaurant reviews and stuff. Most of the time, he's the one who orders appetizers. So. Uh, this time I ordered the appetizers. I got the meatball charcuterie, which Ooh. comes with, like, I'm not sure if it's a sourdough bread or what kind of bread it is, but it has, like, olive oil and some, like, herbs on there. Uh, it, is, it is 
so good. That bread is so good. <laughs> and you dip it into this like mozzarella mm-hmm. marinara sauce, which is mm-hmm. excellent. Mm-hmm. And then you get uh, three different types of meatballs. It's a total of six meatballs, but they're huge meatballs. Um, and those were each one are, is is great. I know you know you know this uh, two this beef, thing. two pork, two shrimp. Yeah, <laughs> uh, like I know you get you get that quite a bit. Oh, so good. And then that food is that that food's excellent. Actually, you could that should just like a, if that's where we should have stopped. <laughs> if I wasn't, if, I thought we we're gonna all share it. I didn't ask anybody. I just did it. So I think if I would have asked, and if everyone's like, "No, nah, we don't want an appetizer." I would have just stopped right there and just gotten that as my meal because that is is excellent. But uh, I didn't do that. Uh, <laughs> I, I did get a burger, and I got the Surf and Turf Burger, Ooh. which is a uh, half-pound burger topped with a shrimp cake, uh, jack, and, uh, jack, and, uh, jack cheese with tartar sauce, pickles, uh, tomatoes, and fries. Fancy. And... Honestly, because uh, I think I might have been a little bit tipsy when I ordered this. <laughs> I didn't fully read this correctly. I thought instead of like an actual hamburger, I was going to get like a like a shrimp cake burger. <laughs> like, uh, But no, this happened to be a half pound hamburger with a shrimp cake in there. So with the appetizer and the uh, and the uh double patty thing here i took like three bites of my of my burger but that's just because i was so freaking full from eating the appetizer so and the fries the fries were divine uh so yeah i i think the food is a, is a 10 out of 10 uh it was fantastic i really uh enjoyed the burger uh, honestly, if I I probably I don't know if I'd order that particular burger again because that is a lot of meat. Like if you're hungry, that's definitely going to be at least two bur- like two meals for you. Honestly, um, because like even the the shrimp uh, cake was like was fairly large. Um, but yeah, it was great. It was a great burger. I love the fries. I love the appetizer. The, the meatball charcuterie board is probably like my favorite thing there just because of the bread you get with it uh, that you dip in with the mozzarella balls and uh, marinara. Uh, the the wait staff, I don't know. I don't really recall them being good or bad, so I'm going to give them an eight because <laughs> obviously they, they didn't show up too often to where it bugged me, and then they were never – it wasn't like they were not there either, so they didn't bug me that way either, so I'm just going to give them an eight. Uh, is it a destination? Wow. I could see where it could be a destination. I'm not quite sure if I label it a destination at this point in time. Um, but I have gone there a couple of times. I'm like, oh. <laughs> uh, but it's it's because it has like good burgers, and like on Sundays they have like uh they have a burger deal on Sundays and stuff like that. It's like happy hour all day on Sunday. And the meatball charcuterie platter. <laughs> yeah, meatball, yeah. For the meatball charcuterie platter, it definitely would be. They a, actually have uh, really good pasta too. Do they? I haven't had the pasta yet. <laughs> you need to go there. So. Uh, I would say like it's if it's not a destination point, it's very close to being one for me. I'm like on the I'm on the teetering. I'm not really sure if I want to say yes to being destination. I'm not really sure I want to say no, it's not one. I so I'm like right on the on the cusp there. Uh, I think I might have to go there a couple more times before I will label it a uh, for sure destination spot. Date worthy. 
Yes. I would say it is date worthy. However, I would like to see the fucking meatball. Sorry. I'd like to see the meatball eatery side. <laughs> the meatball eatery side is sexier. The bar is dimly lit. Yeah, I like it better. It's less uh, trendy, less fun, but more conservative and sophisticated. Yeah, as well, it seemed like it also reminds me more of like an Italian restaurant where it has like, uh, like you know, stuff like uh, Sinatra and, sh- and like, like a, and stuff like that uh, on the walls. Seventies Playboy Club. Yeah. No, the the lights and everything are cooler. Yeah, so I really like. Uh, I think if I've eaten on that side, I might definitely give it a destination spot. But since it's always been closer to I've been there. I really find it hard in that sense. Uh, but yeah, definitely, I think it's date worthy. Uh, meet, a free, meet a friend there, yes. Um, overall, I think it's a good solid nine. Um, yeah, I just give it a good solid nine there altogether. It's definitely worth the visit if you've never been. Smart this week's Smarter Challenge, ultimately a movie review of Deep Cover, the 1992 American crime thriller starring, well, most notably Lawrence Fishburne and Jeff Goldblum. Uh, quick synopsis, Cincinnati-based police officer is sent to Los Angeles for part of a sting operation uh, to take down a West, uh, West Coast drug cartel, uh, with which ultimately he finds, as Lawrence Fishburne is, that police officer, uh, a profiteer, potentially, Jeff Goldblum, working with the designer of a synthetic drug, which would be completely legal, and having to really, even though they don't say it throughout the movie and the ending, uh, spoiler alert, would say something different throughout the entire movie. He absolutely has to be questioning, why am I a fucking cop? <laughs> right. So the reason why um, I picked this as a great, really great brief synopsis, uh, synopsis of it is uh, because of the uh, one quote that uh, David said, which is Jeff Goldblum's character, to uh, John, which is uh, Larry Fishburne's character. Um, And actually, uh, David doesn't actually say it to John. He actually says it to to Mr. Guzman, who happens to be a uh, South American dignitary that uh, happens to be a drug kingpin. And so David says, no, Mr. Guzman, I think, you know, there is no such thing as Americans, no Hispanics, no Japanese, no blacks, no whites, no nothing. It's just rich people and poor people. The three of us are all rich. So we are all on the same side. And the reason why uh, I had us watch deep cover or why I had put this up as our uh, smart challenge I'm really kind of considering and thinking about this particular quote is because when we look at our society today, um, are we seeing that our society, is it rich versus poor or have we gotten to such such tribalism where it is blacks versus whites and whites versus whoever and and Japanese or whatever? So just to begin to start this off and we can go into other avenues if we want with this movie and, and our analysis with, uh, with other stuff here. 
uh, would you say that we are more into a tribalistic society or is he, or is Jeff Goldblum right? Is it really the rich versus the poor? So it's very interesting that you bring it up in that sense. First of all, for myself and the masses, define a tribalistic society. It's basically like you're grouping yourself, your group versus other groups. All right. So this is where it's interesting because throughout history, what we have seen is the rich trying to make us into groups. And hey, you can cut it and chop it and divide it any way you want. But at the end of the day, the rich are the ones who are saying, yeah, so uh, you've got four new genders this week. And one of them is frog she and one of them is cat he and one of them is horse it and whatever they may be. Horse shit? It. It's oh, horse, horse it. it. No, yeah, okay, no, horse I thought it. you said horse shit. Like a robot. And so with that, what the end of the day is, you just got to take a step back, think a week behind and say, hey, are we learning from history? Most people can't. Most people won't. Most people can literally not comprehend um, current situations. Look at the recent history. And when I say recent, this could be 50, it could be 40, 30, 20, it could be 100 years, it could be 3,000 years if you're talking about ancient aliens and Egyptians and pyramids. But with that, at the end of the day, I don't know so much that it's the rich versus the poor, but it is absolutely the rich knowing they need the poor to keep being in a position so they can continue to be more and more rich. Because at the end of the day, the population will continue to grow and they want their piece of that puzzle. Uh, prime example is we've talked about this on previous shows. If all of a sudden everyone was rich every tea time at every golf school, golf course will be booked five years in advance no one's rich anymore and it ruins everything for the people who wanted this to be something special so uh, ultimately there because of different experiences that should be greater can be greater whether or not they should be great are great to certain individuals there has to be a pricing line where things continue so interesting article rolled out this past week and that is man the last five years have been better for one economic group better than any other and you know what that is tell me you like me the billionaire club it's no longer about the millionaire club or the 10 millionaire club or the 100 millionaire club. The last five years have made the billionaires even richer. And with that, everyone else has felt a strain right down to what we used to consider upper class making $200,000 a year for a family. Uh, they're feeling the strain as much as anyone else because housing went up that much and insurance went up that much. And uh, even though gas somehow was magically coming down, electricity is going up, and yet we burn natural gas so, to create our so current electricity. Just to sum it up here, because <laughs> I, I, we go on this for, for a while. To, uh, to sum it up, the billionaires have continued to profit, whether or not there's a, them versus us. There is absolutely a situation where there is a higher-end group that will always profit. Yeah, so I do actually agree with uh, what David says here. It is the rich versus the poor. 
And honestly, I, I think he's right. There is no black, as far as like what the wealthy are concerning, like, or what you're talking about here, the billionaire club, there is no blacks. There is no whites. There is no Americans. It's just the rich versus the poor. And they use the, the, the poor and they use the whole, that tribalistic uh, mindset to have them fight against each other. So that way they can't claw themselves out and become and affect their billionaire club anymore. I, I, I'm not going to say versus. I'm not going to say I agree with them versus. What I will say is them using um, because of a, a pretense of these individuals may think they're educated. They can't figure out how to use the past to explain their present, which would be my first argument of I don't agree with that. But the second piece is, as you just mentioned, they are dissecting our socioeconomic situation into groups again. And races totally is what it is. <laughs> but furthermore, how do you devalue someone who thought they were educated? Just a thought. This is this is really it. This is the whole th summation of this for me. You tell them that they went and bought an education that was so meaningless, it should be free and the president should be giving it to you. I think that's how most of uh, most college degrees are nowadays. So if you can accept that, then you can accept your degree was that worthless. You don't feel you were ever worth it in the first place. You shouldn't have ever gone to college. My 100% belief, like if you don't think you should be paying for that because you benefited and you should be making more because of that and you're fighting to make more, just like you partied in school, uh, you should be fighting in the job force to make them more money, then guess what? They were right. It should have been free because you yeah. didn't learn anything you didn't learn in high school. Yeah, well, I think some of those some of those majors are like that. It's not even the majors. It's the fact that you have a president of the United States telling the masses, you guys all went to college. It should be free. I want to forgive all your debts. What is that saying? It means well, I think we're going off track here from the movie. Right. But they've just all been put into a group of you're all poor. Even the people that they're trying to say are the, 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 the blacks or the Hispanics or the whites. You're all in the same group. We're dissecting you. We're separating you because we don't want okay. you to think that these people aren't benefiting. But you're all in the same group because you're all poor and pieces of uneducated human life. I, I'm not disagreeing That's with that. That's the poor. That ultimately is the poor. It's not that the rich are against the poor, but I think they are absolutely oppressing them. Oh, yeah. They are oppressing them. It's, it's, it's been happening throughout history. Give them dreams. Hey, you guys. So is there uh so... I don't know. I'm not exactly sure where you want to go from here on this, but I, I mean, honestly, I, I do believe like there's that, there's that reality to there. Like as far as like, uh, and it, it doesn't matter how you get to be wealthy. I think this, I think that's another thing about this movie, like that it talks about, right? Cause you said he questions about like, why am I ever, why was I ever a cop? Like, I think he even says something about like, I've been more of a drug dealer. I've killed more people than I've ever been a cop. And like, I'm good at it. Right, we're great at it. And here's the thing: is like, does it like when we start looking at some of these like uh, billionaires or like these other people, they have. Uh, I, I think there's a study that that came out saying that they have, uh, uh some kind of a. They're similar to like a sociopath. Sociopath. There we go. Yeah, I want to say I was about to say psychotic, but no, sociopath. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know, sociopaths. 
And I, and I think there's a lot of truth to it. And it doesn't really matter how they made their money, but they all like, they all become good at it. Right. So the way he made his money, the was like probably the best way to do it. But who says like the way some of these, uh, the way some of these businesses handle their business, these large corporations and what they do to the, 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 the separated groups, uh, they squander a lot of them too. I don't disagree. I struggle every day with people who come into work, who uh, leave work early because they're scared or this or that or the other, who uh, don't show up as a leader in particular. And what the hell? Like, this is weakness. How did... It's one of these things where we're promoting people. You can do anything once again. And guess what? You're not going to be an astronaut. You shouldn't have ever been a leader. You had to go home because you were scared. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> I, I, If I am a SEAL captain choosing my SEAL team, or if I'm a SEAL team member, Navy SEAL, by the way, um, as a Navy SEAL member, if I'm picking my team, most people I work with as leaders um, would not be on that team and they would be surprised. And then it's like, what, you left me alone when I needed you. You went home because you were scared. You're supposed to be preserving um, the freedom of America. Where the hell are, where's your head? Uh, well, we won't go there. <laughs> All right. So we'll, we'll take a, here's another quote from the movie. And, and uh, I guess we take our, our kind of points of view on this one. So this is David actually talking to John. So Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum's talking to Lawrence Fishburne. Yep. Where he says, forget this Judeo-Christian bullshit. Oh, I remember this one. The same people that taught us virtue are the very same ones who enslaved us. It's 100% true. And it's literally what I'm talking about. You give people a dream, um, but then you also separate them. So uh, you're a slave, but we're going to free you. <laughs> I, I I totally agree with this. I, I always thought of like uh, one of my big things with history and the way I've always saw how religion was done is that they tell the masses, hey, you do everything right here while you're alive. You follow all the rules. When you die, you're going to go to heaven and you'll live in Eden. And you'll have the perfect life when you die and go to heaven or whatever. Wife? Wife, life, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Poor taste of a joke. So I, I do believe that, right? Yeah, I think it's very true that like these these people who tell us that we should act a certain way are the same ones that enslave us to do their bidding, and I, I think it helps control the masses to that to that sense. Well, one hundred percent. Let me give you another example of what you just talked about, which is biblical, and so therefore religious um, has a therefore believed long, super long standing history of truth immediately believable of course right that's like the whole point um we're gonna go back to the movie the island you recently had us watch and it's literally a lottery and it's no different than a lottery how many people do you know i know zero that ever won a lottery and lived to tell about it None. they all blow their money and die <laughs> those are the ones that you hear about nobody else is like this was great. I actually won the lottery. <laughs> Life's the best ever. No, you don't hear about those people. You know why? Because it's a facade. It's a dream that is put out there. And I think that's what's brilliant about that movie, The Island, is it points out, okay, guess what? You can win the lottery. You're going to get out of this shithole. 
doesn't mean you're free. Exactly. And I think also you brought a, a, a great point too earlier uh, when you're talking about robot it or whatever, horse, horse it and uh, <laughs> panda, panda she or whatever. Uh, what, like dolphin all, dog. Dolphin dog. <laughs> Uh, whatever like pronouns or whatever they want to use, uh, they're being taught right. We're, we're they're passing this whole whole virtue thing of like you could be who what you could be whatever you want to be. It's a it's a gender fluid thing, all all this stuff. And by that right, they are they're giving that that virtue signaling of it. But at the same time, now everyone becomes enslaved by it because now if you say like these same people who push this narrative. They also are enslaved by it because now if you start throwing those same things back at them, then they get then it's almost like they have like a malfunction in their brain to where like, oh, like you can't say that to me because now you now I see myself as this. And then like then they're like, uh, 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 because they can't be upset, you know, that they're upset with you when. Yeah. Skipping the whole pronoun thing because the pronoun is still English and we don't want to avoid out the fact that English is still mathematically a language uh but going to the the simple point of my point which is i'm a dolphin dog or whatever it may be at what point when we let people choose their identifiers is it okay to be well you know i'm a pacifist or i you know what uh, this person is is a jesus christ figure so now we're giving all these different tunes to it so then all of a sudden, though, when someone's like, well, I'm a racist. Oh, that's not okay. Well, how is it okay for you to be a pacifist? Right? <laughs> like, why is my identifier not okay? Oh, because we've deemed that bad. So it is no different than uh, one of my uh, get-it-togethers, which is the Supreme Court saying, hey, it's okay for these people to ultimately pressure social media to shut down possible truths yeah exactly all right one more one more quote for us to talk about here and then I don't know, unless there's another one that you want to talk about but i thought this one was a great one from john hall uh fishburne's character yeah the jungle's creed says the strongest feed on any prey that it can and i was branded a beast at every feast before i ever became a man What do you think of that one? I think it's great because it literally is his own psyche telling him <laughs> it's okay to be an animal because you were already considered that before you had to decide what it meant to be a man. At the end of the movie, he proves quite the opposite, that he absolutely is a man with a code. However, leading through... The base of this movie is, is this, uh, you know, some people might call it a midlife crisis. He's going through and saying, okay, so I'm supposed to bring down this whole West Coast drug cartel. And yet, man, I'm good at this. Like, also, my favorite parts of the movie are all of the fashion. Like, I loved the fashion in this movie. And that's tough to really consider, um, that that is truth. Like nobody wants to say it, but how you look matters, how you dress matters, what do you relate to matters. And that's why if someone wants to tell me they're a dolphin dog, I'm like, okay, 
All right. Well, next time I won't, I'll uh, try not to call you him or her. It'll be dolphin dog, whatever it may be. Um, like I really do try, but then you got to be questioning the next guy who comes up is like, you just going to call me master boy. (laughs) All right, master. Like at what point do people not understand there was a reason for the simplistic? And that is because at some point you will meet your match. You will. Um, I agree. Uh, here, like, when you see this movie, like uh, him growing up at the beginning of the movie, right? You see his dad, who's a, a thief, maybe an alcoholic thief or whatever. But he goes into a liquor store and robs a robs a liquor store, ends up getting shot, and then like the he has like that blood money, right? And um, and that, and then he goes, and the guy, uh, his recruiter for the State Department or, or whoever it was, maybe he's FBI, I forget what what agency it was. But uh, one of the questions says, he's like, what's the difference between a black man and, and the N-word? Yeah. And it's one of the most famous quotes. And the guy, and he's like, well, and, he's, and he goes through and all that. But I think right there, that kind of shows like he's already been seen as a beast. And because he's already been seen as a beast, when he started going into that whole like avenue of looking at the drug underworld, that is a jungle and you do like you're either a predator or you're a prey. Either you're the ones who are selling it, and you're making and you're making gains, or you're the prey who are buying it and you're and you you're succumbing to the drugs. And I and I think that's really uh, kind of a powerful line right there, going up to that part to the end. What you're talking about too, when he like plays the uh, his handler, if you will. And he still walks away with the money. He still walks away on top, and still walks away being wealthy. Uh, that's where he became a man. Uh, and so I think that's uh, like that line kind of plays really well throughout that whole scene right there. And honestly, uh, one of the questions I had to ponder a lot throughout this movie is: one, <laughs> would I would I have like followed through with Jeff Goldblum? And go along with the synthetic drugs if I got to that point with him. And I would almost venture to say yes. So for me... I almost... I, I'm not saying definitely yes. I'm saying I, I I would probably be leaning a heavy yes. For me, the opposite would be the case. Only because, dude, it's only a matter of days before this thing hits the market and it becomes illegal too. You don't like, know. But right now, it's right legal. Yeah, but that's the pipe dream is that, oh, this is legal. So you're not going to go to prison Guess what? You like, got one shot then, and then after that, you're going to prison. Pipe dream. So you make your bank while you can. In this case, I'm going to take an artistic approach. Okay. And this is a quote from John. So now again, we're talking about Lawrence Fishburne's character, and he's talking to Betty, who was the the female art art. Uh, yeah, Betty. ethnic art person. Yes. Do you know anything about ethnic art? So John Hole goes to her, and he's like. Holds up a mask. How much is this? And she's like, do you know anything about ethnic art? Have you ever been in a store like this? See, we don't put price tags on our merchandise. So if you have to ask, then you obviously can't afford it. And this was the brilliant piece here. And this is true in all aspects of life. And his response is very simple. In that case, I'll take two. And at the end of the day, that is the difference. 
in many ways. In other words, he already had his hands on it. So it's not about asking or not asking. It's about, I want this and I will do whatever it takes to get it. I'll take two. Yeah. In other words, I w- he would kill her in some circles to get two of those masks. Looking at it from another aspect that maybe a lot of people might be able to uh, relate to is when you go to a restaurant and you look at something on the menu and it says it's fair market price. Like, obviously, if you can't afford it, then you're not going to order that. The truth of the matter is the right thing to do is if you have any question, ask, what is the fair market price? And guess what? If they can't tell you, nobody's buying it because it's probably not that good. (laughs) So there are two sides to that, which is one thing I would say, but I also fully 100% agree with you. There have been times where I've been like, full market price, yeah, I want the whole goddamn seafood tower, she's worth it. Whatever fair market price is, it was like 500 bucks, still worth it. So that, I, I knew just I say, could afford it. Yeah, but you knew you could afford it. That's what I'm saying. Like that's to put it into terms like people might relate to you better. That's almost kind of the same. Thing. Yeah. I knew going into that dinner, I just didn't want to spend more than five grand. $500 was worth it. <laughs> so yeah, uh, I don't really have anything else to really talk about this movie. I liked it. Uh, growing up, I thought it was a lot more impactful than it was rewatching it. Um, I don't think it really, I think so. There's still a lot of truths that holds in there. A lot of great one liners. Um, but uh, I don't know. Is there anything else you want to talk about with this movie or society that come by? It was related to it. It was good to revisit. It was great to revisit. Part of it because man, we should all be able to dress the way we want. If if you can afford it, you can. And that was one thing that I really considered during this movie is, man, I love wearing a jacket. I love wearing a suit. I love wearing ties. All of this takes time. Most people will not appreciate it. Very few will. The very few are the only ones I care about. And at the end of the day, there are also those days when you're just wearing a sweater and you're chilling, cashmere sweater, by the way, and you're relaxing and you're enjoying life. And those days are great too. But it's this piece of your own self-worth. And I think that that is the piece to me that this movie really described. You've got John and David, so Lawrence Fishburne and Jeff Goldblum and their own self-worth. And at the end of the day, the man who was the man was Lawrence Fishburne. Jeff Goldblum was still stuck in this boyish world thinking that some synthetic drug was going to be his forever future. And that's bullshit. Um, and Lawrence Fishburne, in my mind, knew that from the get-go, but was along for the ride because guess what? Man, this is a sweet fucking life. <laughs> <laughs> I do think that maybe uh, David, his character, Jeff Goldblum, might have uh, seen that as his uh, uh, as his Shangri-La. Uh, that, uh, but I don't prize th- pony. This, prize is, this was his triple crown. Yeah, uh, but I don't. I think. <laughs> Honestly, he, he I don't know if he he thought it would never be illegal. I think the point was that it it would be legal currently and he they could make bank right away off of it and take over the cocaine trade until it became illegal. But you and I both know how long does that take? A week. Uh maybe 3 months. Maybe 3 months, maybe a couple of years. It just depends on how, right. how quickly it goes dude, through. Dude, if you can make it 3 months just selling the cocaine, you're better off. Because then you didn't invest all this money in a synthetic drug and you got all the profits anyway. 
Like it, it's all about an opportunity cost. And at the end of the day, again, Lawrence Fishburne was trying like, to do the well, right thing. And he wasn't trying to screw kids and people and ruin lives in America. The same as Jeff Golden was like, I don't give a shit about anyone. I just want to make money. And that's just it. He was a kid. He was like mentally a child. Whereas Lawrence Fishburne, I do think was a man and walked out of this movie. I did what needed to be done. He did. It didn't stop anything long term, but it stopped. It slowed things short term. Yeah. So, I, I would say uh, definitely check out this movie. Uh, I, I I also think um, because of the like the way you see the workings of and some of the quotes there, you can tell that there was some like there was a little bit of there was racial division, uh, but yet at the same time it also kind of uh, shows that really that division isn't necessarily. Um, uh, really, I think that division is more towards, in my opinion, the rich versus the poor, or maybe the rich utilizing the poor. Uh, but um, it's a good movie. I think everyone should just check it out, either for artistic purposes, checking out the different fashion from back then, which was like really nice. Dude, I uh, love the the double breasted suits, especially the four button and six button English shoots suits. Like, oh hell yeah! I, I mean, I love some of the dialogue in there too. The dialogue is great, and they keep kept it simple. And it's interesting because I think that will ultimately become another piece of a smarter challenge in the future of what does it mean to be direct with communication versus uh, give uh, metaphors. <laughs> And then also, I thought his uh, his character arc, Dave, uh, John's character, his character arc was actually pretty decent in there. Ultimately, is the question because what we don't know is where he really started. Yeah, I mean, we well, we saw his like we know childhood. His mom was a piece of work, and his life was. And his not dad wasn't great. all that great either. Yeah. So, anyways, what's uh, what's our topic for next week? Next week's Smarter Challenge, why it's important not to overcommit. We got to come up with three examples each. And this can be from a movie, a book, real life, whatever you want. But uh, I've got, you know, really look at movies and books, eh, articles, stories, and fables, the Bible. Why is it important not to overcommit? And ultimately, though, here's the, the juxtaposition, and that is bringing in yet while not overcommitting, still commit enough to keep the interest of the other party. So in other words, yeah, I I can't say anything. I was just going to say it was all sexual. So (laughs) don't overcommit, but keep them interested enough. (laughs) All right. That was so wrong. I just realized, right? I was about to spit it out. I shouldn't say any of that. (laughs) All right. So until next week, actually next week, I believe what we're going to do, it could be one or the other. It may be a coin toss. We're either going to do the Glenn Fittick Grand Crew. Man, it's a badass scotch. Or we're going to do one of the Octomores. Oh, you got an Octomore? Oh, okay. So with the Octomore, super heavily peated, um, super rare. So we'll just, I'll figure it out in the next week if we're going to do the Glenfiddich or if we're going to coin toss for an Octomore because the Octomores 
are just as high, hard to find as that Grand Cru nowadays. Yeah, it is. All right. Well, uh, thank you, everyone, who wa- who watched us to this point. Uh, we thank all the subscribers on YouTube and Rumble and all the viewers on YouTube and Rumble, as well as all the listeners and subscribers on the many different podcast platforms. We greatly appreciate all of you as well. Uh, please like, share, subscribe, leave any comments down below. We greatly appreciate that. And... Jesse's going to close us out. All right. Remember, life should be about adventure. And adventure doesn't necessarily mean you have to make a trip to Mexico or Ireland or, well, for the brave and bold Russia at this current time, the Ukraine. But what it can mean is you're just taking an adventure in your own mind and really considering, consider what is important to you? Are you taking the right steps long term? Uh, value isn't always some crazy adventure to Scotland to try scotch at the Brucolati distillery, although that would be badass. Um, but it might be simply, hey, I want to take a moment to figure out what is going to make my life better for the rest of the year, this first month of the year. And actually, that would be more value added than its predecessor. So uh, consider that. Remember, drink responsibly. Please do not drink too much and drive. <laughs> and also remember... Don't drink and drive. <laughs> well, you can drink Diet Coke and drive. Don't drink alcohol and drive. Don't drink alcohol and drive. And until next week, Cheers. We hope you enjoyed this evening's episode of Scotch Hour. If you did, please like, share, and subscribe. Also, if you have not done so already, please become a Patreon member with memberships starting as low as $1 a month. Thank you, and hopefully you have a wonderful evening.